morning as I greet all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ you may uh, musicians you may return to your place God bless you let's read Joshua the first chapter verse 1 to 3 found it written this manner. Now after the death of Moses the, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass. That the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun. Moses minister. Moses 
saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all these people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Amen. Let's read Numbers 14. Numbers 14, verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and had followed me fully, him will I bring into the land where into he went. And his seed shall possess it. As we bow heads, gracious heavenly Father, we appreciate you this morning. We bless the reading of the word, bless the hear- hearers, and bless the speaker that when we come to the end of the service, let your name be glorified. We commit everything to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. While you take your seats for a couple of minutes. Amen. The year is first spent. Amen. Normally around this time of the year, people have got fatigue because the year has taken so much from them. Uh, But I hope it's not a spiritual fatigue, it's just a physical fatigue. Amen. Uh, As we look forward to 2020, we say may God give us a better 2020 vision. Amen. The best vision in optometrist, they say it's 2020. So let it be a year where your vision becomes clearer and crispy and where things that you desire to achieve may be achieved. Amen. Uh, I've got few invitations on my table. I'm just waiting how the Lord will lead me. Uh, I'm due to be in Botswana. Uh, I just spoke to the pastor now in the office. He just gave me a call. Uh, I'm due to be in Port Elizabeth, I'm due to be in Venda, uh, just pray for me, amen, that, you know, when you are, I always check if I'm invited to a place, is it for a good spirit or is it for a bad spirit, Amen. Because sometimes you can be invited to places and just think that you are a rock star. And move around trying to do God's service without it being His will. Amen. Brother Brenham has told us that you don't jump at invitations, you pray about them. Is it so, brethren? Amen. 
now I've got another invitation next year in Trinidad as well as on my table for for prayer. Amen. The pastor there phoned and said we would want you to come over. Uh, but I'm very jitter about traveling because people travel for wrong reasons. Amen. Uh, and there's just one thing that I learned from Pastor Godwin Chitsindi. Uh, I asked him the other time, I said, you hardly travel, but you've got this big church, I mean, but you hardly travel. He says, the problem is that I'm not going to ju- be judged on other people's vines. I'm going to be judged on my vine. Amen. So God will not say, you preach very well in Canada. He is going to want to know, what did you preach in your church? Amen. Then he mentioned and say, pastors that have got difficulty with their congregations, they travel a lot. It's like a man that has got a difficulty with his wife. They, lo- they work long hours. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> Another one, I once gave him a lift. I said, I'm going to be generous. I will drop you by your gate. He says, at my gate, no. I said, says, no, drop me elsewhere. There is too, too early for me to go home. Then I realized home, there are problems there. Amen. So some pastors, they like traveling because they avoid issues in the church. I feel comfortable to preach here. Amen. Even if I'm not invited, but if I'm invited here, it's wonderful. Amen. Now, this morning I want to preach on a supporting ministry. A supporting ministry is my title this morning. And out of a share, out of, I was speaking to Brother Beckett the other time. We just had a wonderful fellowship over the phone. And as we were fellowshipping, this thought just dropped as he was talking. And I said, Pastor, this is something very interesting. I'm going to look into it, and I will share it with my church. Amen. Do you believe that a minister's armament is prayer? Hallelujah. Meditation, spending time in the study, and fellowship with other ministers. Amen. Fellowship. Fellowship, brother, says is two fellows in one ship. Now, and when you understand the, how the boat would move, everyone has to pull their weight for the boat to move forward. Isn't so? Yes. Now, the problem today, uh, ministers don't fellowship, is because what brother Mshavi said, people don't listen. People want to talk all the time. People want to teach they never want to be taught. People want to give people lessons. They never want to receive lessons. Amen. That, that is the, it is, a, it is a, an age of eye disease. I can speak it better. I can do it better. Not knowing, not taking into consideration what the other fellow is doing. Do you know Brother Brenham used to come to church at Brenham Tabernacle? and allow the brothers to preach, you would sit down and listen to them. 
Hallelujah. The, the prophet of the age. Amen. I was amazed, Brother Gioka, uh, Obed Gioka, when I first knew him. I saw him on a video where he was preaching and Brother Ed Biscal was sitting down. So I wanted to say, this young man is preaching to a prophet's friend. Amen. But I was moved by the humility of the man of God to allow a young man to minister while he's sitting down there listening. Uh, it's a very difficult one these days. Uh, some, if they can't preach, then they cannot attend. Uh, that's the reality of the matter. But how will you know your ministers are preaching well if you don't listen to them? Amen. Wasn't the last Wednesday a wonderful service, Brother Masuma preached for us here? Wasn't it wonderful when Brother Mushabi preached for us here? And these men, I really salute them because they don't do what ministers are doing today where they go and download a sermon from Brother Ed Biscal or Brother John Regan and come and recycle it here in the church. We don't need such sermons here. We want you to be in prayer and connect with God, meditate and bring something that is authentic for the people of God. Amen. If you preach a downloaded sermon, it's not a service, it's a performance. Amen. And one day after you've preached it, we'll call you aside and say, this brother preached better than you because he was original. Amen. I've got zero respect for lazy ministers. Minister must spend time with the Lord, seeking the face of the Lord. And you ministers, you would know God does not allow you to preach a sermon unless you have lived it. He, when somebody says, come, you heard Brother Mtlaib when he came and spoke about the test of faith. God took him through his personal experience about the sermon before he preaches it. So you can't download that one. It is his personal testimony. Amen. I don't want to download that sermon here. Amen. God bless you richly, brothers that are helping. Now, we want to speak on supporting ministry, and you'll understand where I'm going with this. I'm not going to take much of your time, but we're going to cover what needs to be covered. It's a, there is a phrase, brother, in Joshua 1, verse 1. Very interesting. If you bring the scripture. It says, now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass. You can read it with me. That the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister. Now, it is very interesting today, most of people will hate that phrase, Moses' minister. I can, somebody will say, I cannot be a minister of a man. I am the minister of the Lord. But the Bible says Joshua was Moses' minister. Are, are you still with me? Now, if Moses had a minister... It teaches me that every prophet will have 
ministers. Amen. Are you here, people? Amen. Amen. Don't, don't be misled by these people that say, me, I only follow Jesus, I don't care about Paul. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. So, so that means you, you are following Paul, but he's following Christ. Now, in the end time, we're not just following Brother Brennan blindly. We are following him because he follows Christ. And while it is here, let me, let me bring a certain thing. Brother Brennan was a, a prophet of the age. He was not a, mini, a preacher of the age. He was the prophet, a dispensational prophet for the age. How many believe that? Now, what does it mean? It means that uh, Brother Brenham did not occupy a lesser rank than the one that was occupied by Moses. They are of the same rank. And actually, we can even, even push the envelope further and say he was slightly on a higher rank because he came during the fullness of the weight. Are you still with me? Moses gave them the the letter of divorcement, but William Brenham went back and connected it back to the original pattern and say from from the beginning it was not so. Are you still with me? William Brenham comes in modern age. He says when he preaches marriage and divorce, even the school had to release the students early. He says on the mountain, they looked at the ember cloud that kept on lowering over the mountain. And as it was lowering over the mountain, Brother Bram says, I was out there when the school released the, the, the students. He says, right there, the Lord told me, and I'm here to report and say, under modern conditions, under modern conditions, I say, go and live with your wife if you are happy with it. Go and live with your husband if you are happy with it. But go and sin no more. Are you still with me? This was the forgiveness of sins, folks. Declared by the prophet messenger. Yes, I know it's going to... You know, some people are going to believe what Brother Brenham was after we are gone. When Moses was around, Dathan and Gora never believed in him. They only knew after he's gone that truly he was a servant of God. The Roman soldier only knew after Jesus gave gave up the gold and said truly he was a son of God. Now today everybody wants to quote Paul, but people that are during our time, they would have never served in the same church as Paul. Hallelujah. They would have called him a woman basher. Are you still with me? So, Moses, this now, the commission was of Moses. But now, God, after the death of Moses, he raises a servant, a minister, that was Moses' minister, saying unto him, Moses, my servant, is dead. Read with me. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan. So when a prophet is taken off the scene, the ministry doesn't come to an end. Hallelujah. And thou and all these people unto the land which I do give to them. 
even to the children of Israel. Amen. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. As I said unto Moses. Now the prophet comes in the message, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Paragraph 32. Do you believe that the same God that was with the prophet will be with the bride? The same God that was with William Brenham is going to be with the fivefold ministry, a genuine fivefold ministry. Now he says to Joshua, the new commander of the army, after Moses had passed on, seeing that he stayed, that God stayed with him in his mistakes. That means if the prophet says God stayed with Moses in his mistakes, it means Moses had mistakes. Are you still with me? I hope we are together here. Now, but others will leave Moses or disregard Moses because of his mistakes. But despite the mistakes, God stayed with Moses. Are you still with me? He held up his commission up. Are we reading from the same book? All right. This brother, 11th September 1960, so that we can have a thorough follow of thought. 11th September 1960. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Paragraph 32. Amen. Now, to Joshua, let me just recap, and to Joshua, the new commander of the army, after Moses had passed on, seeing that God stayed with him in his mistakes, he held his commission up. Paragraph 33. Okay, just take it down. I don't know what's happening there. Maybe it's me that mixed up the paragraph, but it's not a problem. Um, no, matter, no matter what Moses done, Hallelujah. No matter what Moses done, it was Moses' office that God respected. Are you still with me? Today, no matter what the prophet messenger has done, it is the office that we respect. Hallelujah. And I'm going to give you something here once we are done. He says, he was above all the prophets. He was really more than any prophet they had. Because this was an exodus prophet. Are you still with me? Yes. Now, let's put it this way. Uh, in the message, or maybe, bring, brother, bring this scripture. Matthew 10, verse 41. Matthew 10, verse 41. You'll read it with me. 
He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Now, when you receive the prophet, you must remember there is a reward that goes with with receiving the prophet. Are you still with me? When you receive a righteous man, there is a reward that goes with with receiving a righteous man. Now, Brother Brenham explained what the, uh, the prophet's reward is in the message, question and answers, paragraph 321. He's giving you an answer there as to what is the prophet's reward. He says, they ask him a question in COD, Brother Brenham, if you have time, please explain Matthew 10, 41. I would like to know what is a prophet's reward. Are you still with me? Now, he says, well, now Jesus said, whosoever received a prophet in the name of a prophet receives a prophet's reward. A prophet's reward is to be a friend with the prophet. Are you still with me? If you have received the prophet, you have received the prophet's reward. And the prophet's reward is that you are a friend of the prophet. Come on, folks. If you are the friend of the prophet, will the prophet leave you behind when he is invited to go in? Will the prophet leave you behind when he is invited to sit around the wedding supper table? He is going to invite you. Are you still with me? That is why the commission says, uh, those that believed in Paul will go with Paul. Those that believed with William Brenham will go with William Brenham. That's why he comes, he says, you may not understand certain things that I say, but believe them because on the day of judgment, I will stand for them. And we are here to say, we have received the prophet, and now we've got the prophet's reward. We are the friends of the prophet. Are you still with me? And in one message, it says, true friendship is a gift of God. And today, we have received a true friendship. And what was that friendship? It is the gift of God in the prophet in the end time. And furthermore, he says, when you receive the gift of God, he says, then it ushers you in a golden age. Are you still with me? A prophet's reward is to be a friend with the prophet. Whosoever receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, receive a righteous man's reward. Is that right? Hallelujah. Then he continues, he says, and if they want to know, if they want to know what a prophet's reward is, is to be a friend to the prophet. That's a reward. He is your friend. William Brenham was not just our prophet messenger. He was our friend. Moses was not just a prophet to Joshua. He was Joshua's friend. Elijah was not just a prophet to Elisha. He was Elisha's friend. And you never leave your friends behind. When you get a reward, you pass a certain reward to your friends. And there will be a reward for the prophet messenger of the age. 
because the commission said because you have chosen a precise way and this narrow path that you have chosen a greater portion of heaven awaits for thee and it's not only waiting for William Brenham alone it's waiting for everybody that associates with the prophet messenger we are going to receive the prophet's reward Ah, this gives me some goosebumps Listen, he takes it further in paragraph 221. He says, like the Shunammite woman, it might come in handy sometime. Hallelujah. At some time when the, the, the problem strikes you, you can turn around and say, Lord, remember, I'm the friend of your prophet. Hallelujah. I'm not just a friend to that professor. I took a stance with the prophet. I'm one of the gentle mighty warriors. I've taken sides with Jesus in the end time. Hallelujah. Therefore, on that basis of your friendship and relationship with the prophet, there are certain things that you can claim. And that's I'm live here. Don't know what we're going to preach. Amen. Amen. We're getting into some stuff. I like it when Satan gets angry. That means I'm right on the right path. If Satan Satan says it's fine, that means I'm not saying the right things. I had much better upset the enemy. Like the Shunammite woman, it might come in handy sometime. It did with her. Watch God's servants. That, I cannot overemphasize it. Brother Brenham says, it was not the children that disrespected Elisha. It was the parents. Around the middle time, they would speak and say, that bold-headed man, he's gone senile. He thinks that God only speaks through him. He is becoming something else. Now the children later, they saw Elisha. Then they screamed and said, you bold-headed man. Then right there, he called how many? 42 she-bears. She-bears. And it is 42. Is it two? It's two against 42 children. Okay. God bless you. Now it destroyed those two she-bears destroyed them. Brother Ram says it was not the juvenile delinquency, it was parental delinquency. So whenever you are with your children, just be careful of what you say about God's children. You may disagree with them as parents, they may upset you, step on your toes, but don't pass the poison on the children. Amen. Are you still with me? Now, I'm speaking on a supporting ministry. Now, let me come back, brother, in this message. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Paragraph 113. Something that the prophet says there. You know, what will make you enjoy life is when you know your position. Uh, the other time 
I think it was at Coca-Cola, a director, somebody, they had delivered the salary advices, and they had somebody that had to go and deliver them to every employee as they normally do. Now, this messenger happened to go into sales rep's office, and when he got there, he had the salary advices of all the employees of the company. Now, the reps requested him a salary advice of the district manager. Now, they took the salary advice. They did not open it. They put it against the sun so that they can, because of the reflection, they can see what is happening there. Now, then they discovered that he was getting 150000 a month. It really ruined their day. But uh, when I was told, I say the problem is they don't know the responsibility that comes with the position. Yes. For them, they are just looking at the salary, but they don't realize the cost yes. that it takes on that man that sometimes he has sleepless nights because directors are breathing on his neck. For them, they are looking at the reward without the sacrifice that goes with the reward. And a lot of times, it is what is making people to, be, to live unbearable lives. When you find somebody looking to be like somebody else, they don't know what it takes to be that person. Are you still with me? There are people that wish they could be you, but they don't know how, how tough it is to be you. You are the only one that knows how tough it is. Are you still with me? I can imagine, brother, when you were here testifying about the text case, a lot of people they say, hey, he's a doctor, he's having it easy. But you don't know, Sars is breathing on his neck. Are you still with me? If you swap position with him, you cannot survive a day. And if he swaps positions with you, you cannot survive a day. Every person is capacitated to be who they are, don't try to be somebody else. You are going to disintegrate. Are you still with me? Now, in this message, Brother Brenham says, a very beautiful type today of what we need a Joshua for today. The trouble today, when we are come into our promised land, God, God, God wants to raise a sheep like Ephraim. One wants to raise something, something like the other. Every man wants to be the same. Let God give one man a gift of healing. Every man wants a gift of healing. Are you still with me? If one performs miracles, everybody wants to perform miracles. What is happening? The brother Brenham says, he continues, he says, Ephraim and God, and all of them wants to mix. All of them come with, one, come with one, but we are divided in our position. Do you see it in the end time? Men fighting over titles. Men fighting over each other's territory. If one becomes a prophet, if one becomes an apostle, one rises as a chief apostle. If one becomes a prophet, one becomes a major prophet. If one becomes a pastor, one becomes a senior pastor. 
men today, they want titles. What is happening is because, one, that they don't recognize what their position is. What created problems for the Israelites from Egypt to Canaan is because along the way, Moses was the very first one that brought the message of deliverance. Moses is the one that told them it is possible to leave Egypt. Moses is the one that showed them how to leave Egypt. Moses performed. Moses is the one that brought the Pharaoh under subjection. Dathan and Korah were there but could not do it. It had to be Moses that had to do it. But when they left, when the danger was removed from them, and they left and they were on the journey, then men began to rise and say, Look, Moses, we think you are taking too much upon yourself. You are not the only person that God speaks to. God can speak to us as well. Why are they saying that? It's because the Pharaoh was not on site. But as long as Pharaoh was around, they say, Moses, that's your task. Are you still with me? Because they know that the enemy will always respect the commission of the original man. Are you still with me? Now, a lot of times, people didn't bring us out of denominations. It was William Brenham that came and brought the message and said, Come out of them, my people. Then after we came out and we left denominationalism, men are raising up and say, I'm the one that can put you in a better position. My question is, where were you? When I was in my old Baptist church. Where were you when I was feeding on communion during the day? Where were you when I was baptized in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. It had to take the prophet messenger to bring me where I am. And if the message brought me out, the message will take me in. Hallelujah. This message will take you in, brethren. Are you still with me? Men that claim titles after the opposition has been done away with. Amen. Are you still with me? Do you know that every eighth messenger cannot go to the streets to convert people? He's got to find a message church. You can't be an eighth messenger and follow the great, the, the great commission. You, you, you have to take the message and manipulate the message. Amen. Are you still with me? Now, I'm still on the supporting ministry. Brother, we live during a time, and I'm going to say it for what it is, we live during a time where standards are being dropped. Standards are being dropped. There's just chaos. I was, yesterday I was just sandwiched between Pentecostal ministers. And one was the bishop, one was the prophet, one was, it was just uh, titles. I was just swimming in the sea of titles. (laughs) And I was just the only one that was just a pastor. But when when I looked at, and I told my wife, this young man that was there that they regard as the prophet. And I look at me my battery but it keeps dropping. Now, when I look at the men men that went by the titles of bishop 
you look at say, their demeanor. You, you don't know whether this guy is a quiet star, the way he's dressed. Then it dawned on me, and I said to my wife, I said, do you know that the message of William Brenham has given us dignity? There is, a, there is a certain decorum, a certain etiquette of a pastor. There is a certain way, even you as an ordinary brothers and sisters, there is a certain decorum that you have. Now, I, I look at the, a man that is not even tucked in his shirt, but is being called the prophet. And I said, ah, look, I thank God I had a better prophet than what I'm seeing here. Now, why am I saying that? I'm saying we live during a time where standards are being dropped. Brothers, for one to qualify to be a pastor, messagically, they must marry an untouched woman. That's the scripture. I was telling a certain man that and read him a quotation in marriage and divorce. Then he said to me, no ways. Why, if we, if we go for that qualification, why don't we allow pastors to give long beards like the Levites they used to do? Then I asked him a question that I told you about on Wednesday. I say, in Deuteronomy 22, from verse 1 until the last verse, there is a bunch of laws that are there. Then I say, why did the prophet regard certain laws and only zoom in on verse 5? Or why do we relieve the rest and go to verse 5? Then he said, because the prophet said so. Then I said, the practice of the Levites where they were living of the tithes, where did we take that practice for? Because it happened in the Old Testament. Then he said, is the, is the prophet that brought it from the Old Testament into the New Testament? Then I said, the same prophet is the one that brought the qualifications of a minister. That a minister must meet these requirements in order to be a minister. Are you still with me? Now, here is a question. The minds are running as I'm speaking here. But I've got a question. Somebody said to me, look, it doesn't work. What if I was a great minister and I was a great preacher and I want to become a pastor but I don't meet the requirements because of what my wife went through. Uh, do you think that should disqualify me? Then I said, the problem you don't understand, when God calls a man, he calls his wife. If Brother Brenham had to be preserved, that means his wife had to be preserved. If God predestinated a pastor, he predestinated the wife of a pastor. Come on, believers. Are you still with me? God doesn't call a man alone. He calls them as a couple. And as a matter of fact, let me read this quotation. And there is a reason why I'm reading this. In the message, Possessing All Things, paragraph 39. And brethren, if, you, if what you preach, your wife does not believe it, don't preach it to us. I will repeat it. If your wife does not believe in your ministry, we will not believe in your ministry. 
Before I become a pastor of Lighthouse, I must be a pastor in my home. Before I can become a deacon here, I must be a deacon in my home. Because why? It begins in the home. Before I preach this sermon, my wife is the first one that must say, I believe it. And if she doesn't believe it, you have got no reason to believe it. You have said it. Are we... Now, Brother Bram says, right here we could start. I believe that when God calls a man to service, if he's a married man and has a helpmate, he calls his wife with him. Because the two are one. Brethren, what has destroyed a lot of pastors' homes, they become supermen on Sunday. And the rest of the week they become something else. Are you still with me? If God calls you, he must call your wife. If, 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 if you are cold and your wife is not cold, you are going to have a serious problem. Because why? She is a supporting ministry. A woman gives her husband a credibility. Are you still with me? You're not, you're, he's not just a deacon alone. He's a deacon with his wife. Are, are you still with me? He's not just a pastor alone. He's a pastor with his wife. He's not just a minister alone. He's a minister with his wife. Come on, are you still with me? Now, I, I can give you an example. If I was to come here every Sunday and preach to you, and my wife is not here, and I come Wednesday, I preach for you, she's not here. I come the other Sunday, I preach for you, she's not here. What are you going to do? Are you still going to say glory to God? If you do that, really you are blind. The question should be, where is his wife? Because if you are called, you are called with your wife. And your wife must be capacitated for the ministry. is not a child's play. Are you still with me? They're going to hate you in the ministry. It comes, it's the parcel of the ministry. And your wife cannot hate back. They're going to talk bad about you, but you cannot talk bad about them. Why? If the pastor's got a shepherding spirit, that spirit must be on the wife as well to mend the broken hearted. I, I, I can't build the people well behind the scene. My wife is vindictive towards them. I built you behind the scenes. She's destroying you. Show me your wife. I'll tell you how far you're going to go in the ministry. We have allowed the Tommy Roth to be pastors. And that's where we've got the chaos that we have in the end time. Are you still with me? Now, let's just look. Moses. Now, the supporting ministry. Moses on his journey to Canaan, he took a lot upon himself. May brother bring me the scripture, Exodus 18, verse 25. Exodus 18, verse 25. 
This was after the advice of his father-in-law. It reads in this manner, And Moses chose able men out of all Israel. Brother Caesar is wide awake. Let's try one more for all that are here. Moses chose able men out of all Israel. And made them heads over the people. Rulers of thousands. Rulers of hundreds. Rulers of fifties. Rulers of tens. And they judged the people at all seasons. Their heart causes they brought them, they brought unto Moses. But every small matter they judge themselves. We already get a sense that Moses could not do it alone. He needed a supporting ministry. And as well, if it happened with the prophet of the age, it happens with the pastor as well. The pastor cannot do everything. That's why there are deacons, there are trustees, and there are elders. Are you still with me? These things, they work as a team. Because when? When the church moves forward, everybody is praising God, isn't so? And Brother says, when the church does not move forward, he says, it's your responsibility. He doesn't say it's only the pastor's responsibility. He says it's your responsibility. You have to make sure that nothing hinders the church. Amen. That means the first thing, the first support I have seen, me as a pastor, I, yes, I love suits, I love gifts, wonderful. But the greatest thing that you can give to me is to pray for me. Amen. Because why? It's you Demons that you fight, by the time they come to you, they have come to me many a times. Are you still with me? A lot of times you are handling tired demons because they have dealt with me first. So while you are refreshed, you need to say, let me remember my pastor. Because when you pray for your pastor, your pastor goes forward. The English saints say the tallest tree catches the most wind. And a lot of times, brother, we say, pastors cannot tell the congregations what they are going through. But Satan is fighting tooth and nail. 24 hours because when he strikes the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. But I'm glad that in every church there will be prayer warriors. There will be men that say, God, do something for us. God, protect our ministry. God, guide our ministry. God, lead our ministry. God, purify our ministry. For every critic, God will raise a prayer warrior. There are some people that will never do right to them. Absolutely. You know, you can't please all the people all the time. Even if you sell ice cream, you can't please all the people all the time. Let's come, brother. I was talking to a dear sister here in the church. She 
used to be in the ministry with her husband and we're just fellowshipping. And she just told me that, look, the ministry, there are wounds of the ministry that even a pastor's wife cannot say. She takes so much and those wounds, even many years, once you have left the ministry, those wounds are still there. You can't tell anybody about them. And, you know, the greatest, there's a man that wrote the book, When Shepherd Bleeds. And it says, leading while bleeding. Now, you, 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 you have to build while making sure that you are not broken. And even when you are broken, no one cannot build you because you are the one that is building. I, I, are you still with me? Now, after the years, those things, they take a toll. That is why you have to pray for a wife of your pastor as well. Uh, a lot of times, Brother Brum says, if you love me, do something for my family. And the greatest is to pray for them. Are you still with me? Now, let me come to this one. Now, brother, bring marriage and divorce, paragraph 104. Brother Brenham, we want to trace and look at the vulnerability of a supporting ministry. A lot of problems that we have faced in the message did not come from denominational ministers. They came sometime even from the people that hunted with Brother Brenham. It came from the people that sometimes sponsored his meetings. But let us go right at the beginning. Brother Brenham says in this message, Marriage and Divorce, paragraph 104, he says, did you know Satan was co-equal with God one day? Folks, it's not a slip of a tongue. The prophet does not have a slip of a tongue. He says, did you know Satan was co-equal with God one day? Co-equal. Yes. The Lucifer was a supporting ministry. He was a cherubim that was responsible for music in heaven. Are you still with me? He says he sure was all but a creator. He was everything stood at the right hand of God in the heaven. The great leading Cherubim. So, brother, let me say he can, he could do. He could. He was co-equal with God, but the only thing that he could not do was to create. Yeah. But he had the power to pervert what was already created. Yes. 
Folks, if you, if you check what happened there, you will understand what is happening in the end time. The people that are going to corrupt the ministry in the end time are not going to be outsiders. I want the people that say, listen, when he said this, he did not mean this, he meant that. It's the people that, Brother Brandman, we spoke on Wednesday, they will splice the tapes. Meaning they will take a certain portion and a certain portion and make the prophet messenger to say things that he never said. Folks, let me, I am not moved. I love eyewitnesses. I love people that hunted with the prophet. I love the people that interacted with the prophet. But they are subject to the word of God. Because why? The mere fact that you you had proximity to the prophet does not make you a prophet. The mere fact that you hunted with Brother Branham does not qualify you to give thou says the law. There was only one man in a generation. There was only one man with a commission. And that man was William Branham. The rest of them are a supporting ministry. That means today, I'm saying this with respect. If Brother Ed Biscal can say, the prophet said, we still want to find out, why did he say it? Are you still with me? We are not gullible people. Yeah. and Korah were close to Moses. Demas was close, was close to Paul. Judas was close to Jesus. Proximity does not mean anything. Actually, you can sleep in the prophet's house. You can eat the prophet's food. Hunt with the prophet. And never have a revelation of what it's all about. Proximity means nothing. Are you still here, people? That's why it is your responsibility in the end time to search the tapes, to search the scriptures. What does the Bible say about the matter? What does the prophet messenger say about them? Not another man from America, not another man from Russia. I thank God that God decentralized power and made sure that the message is in everyone's perfect pocket. I said to Wednesday service, if you've got a smartphone and you don't have the message of the hour on your smartphone, shame on you. Yes, we've got Instagram. It takes so much space. Delete the thing and put the message of the hour. So that when you come against certain difficulty, you are able to pan and you receive a quotation in real time and listen to the prophet messenger and spring back to action and say, Satan, you are a liar. There is a reason. We are not a Catholic. Where is the pastor that only has message books? You have them. You have to search them. And you have always to put to this test. Is this man still saying what he, the prophet messenger said? The man was co-equal. Folks, <laughs> co-equal with God. That co-equality he was granted to by God. The only thing that God never allowed him was to create. But he was a a leading cherubim. Moved heaven. When he sang, brother, there was goodness. Angels knew that that angel cherubim, the archangel Lucifer, he knows this stuff. Are you still with me? Look at this. I'm saying, 
you have to now our children and it's very sad because pastors children they go through so much in America they call them the PK ministry can build the children of the pastor or can destroy the children of the pastor depending on how it is handled that is why when a pastor knows the case when a pastor knows cases of people cases of people are not a pillow talk for a pastor it's not something that you share with your wife because you don't know what you are talking about Yes, you may think you are clever when you do that. But the, the, the damage that you cause on your family will show down the line. Children of a pastor must be like other children and not know anything and just come to church. And to a certain extent, even my wife, there are certain things that she must never know. Are you still with me? It's not her business. I don't owe her feedback and say this matter, this offer. That's not her business. Her business is to pray for me. If I, if I need help, I'll ask help and say, but what do you think on this? But it will not be personal, people's personal issues. There's a, there's a certain responsibility. I think Brother Mtlavi would know, when you're a doctor, if you can have a nurse when patients come, in no time, their medical file details are all over the community. You fire such a nurse. Because why? There is a doctor-patient confidentiality. Amen. Do you know that even if you were to confess murder to a lawyer, it's not easy for him to get you arrested. They call it lawyer attorney client privilege. Amen. Now, brother, bring the seal of God. I always love two more quotations to support one point. The seal of God, paragraph 18. It says, the right-hand man of Almighty God. This is a right-hand man. Folks, check check this. There is a right-hand man of God in heaven is Lucifer. Then there is a right-hand man of Adam in the Garden of Eden is the serpent. Do you get where we are going? Now, the right-hand man of Almighty God was Lucifer, the son of the morning. The first, God granted him almost co-workers with him. He was a co-worker. Partly, now, if somebody is a co-worker, that means certain things could be delegated to them. Are you still with me? That means 
when God is not there, Lucifer could say, the Lord said we must do. And because of the co-equality and because he's a co-worker, it must be done. But here is a danger. As much as there was co-equality, there had to be discernment. Because it's not because he's close to Michael, he's close to the almighty God, he's a right-hand man, he can say, this must be done. Firstly, we must share. Do you say it with the spirit of the one that gave you the responsibility? Uh, Folks, I hope we are together here. Serpent. When that right-hand man fell there, he fell into the right-hand man here on earth. But here is a danger about Eve. She had interacted with the serpent before. Because if that was not the case, she would have run away that the snake is talking. But on that day, when he spoke, Eve did not look at the serpent through the prophetic optics. She had taken off the prophetic optics and that's why she could be misled. But if she had looked at the serpent through the eye of Adam, the serpent would have never misled Eve. What was required today? It was the discernment. Are there people that know what I mean? Has ever somebody said something so innocent, but you pick up the spirit behind what has been spoken? Somebody can say something so vile and back it up with God bless you and you realize there is nothing about God bless you here. This is as vile as it can because you've got the discernment to pick up a spirit behind the way. And today we are looking for a church. The bride must, as we are preaching here, the bride must subject us to the discernment and say, what is the spirit that is behind that man? Does does that spirit resonate with what is already spoken in the Bible? And if it does not resonate, do not hesitate to say, I don't take it. Because it's your soul. It is your soul. I hope we are together here. The first, God granted him almost co-workers with him. He was a co-worker, partly equal with him. Only Satan could not create. God is the creator. But Satan took something that God created and perverted it back into something else evil. This message is the best thing that God has ever given in this generation. But men are perverting the very good thing that comes from God. And they are turning it into something else. But the bride must rise up and say, that's not it. That's not it. We know what it is. Folks, a lot of people, I have had a privilege in my short time here on earth to interact with a lot of people. Some are renowned people. I've had proximity to be around them, speak to them, and know what they think. Some have read their books. But uh, the grandest privilege in the end time is to be a minister under Malachi 4. 
a lot of people, they think because we follow Brother Brenham, we are dumb. No, we are not dumb. We've got a great minds in the message of the hour. When I came into, into the message, when we were in the high school, it was a brother, uh, Masuma would know, it was S.J. Fanner. We were just a, a group of young men that came into the message. In terms of performance on studies, no other students could match us. In from, from among us, some went on to be the best in the region on mathematics and physics. Until weight went around the schools that if you really want to pass, go to that church. Our church before the exams, it used to be, a hall used to be full to capacity. Because students thought there is something here that makes these people clever. And what was that? It's not because we're clever. It's because the message of William Brenham brought sobriety. We are not running around with women. We're not drinking. What did we spend our time doing? We we focus on our goals. Are you still with me? Now, when we follow William Brenham, we understand what we are talking about. Even if I could choose again, I would still want to be a minister under Malachi 4. Yes, my prophet never spoke my English better, but I tell you, behind that broken grammar, there was the life of God behind those words. And here, here it is, folks. Many years later, we are still standing. If you meet some of our peers, you would not recognize them. They have lost teeth. Their face are deformed. There is, oh goodness, they look ahead of their age. But the message of the hour kept us younger. Come on, young people, you know what I'm talking about. Most of the people that you went to school with are pregnant. They are with unwanted teenage pregnant. But you're here, you're still a young girl. What preserved you? It is the power of the message of the hour. And, and that is why, that is why we are going to be loyal and support this ministry until the body change. I say we are going to be loyal until there is a body change. Because this ministry, there is a reward at the end of this ministry. The world is falling apart, but we are not falling apart. The world is about to be destroyed, but we are not about to be destroyed. There is a rapture call that is being made by the message of the hour. Let me tell you something. Once you come in contact with the message of the hour, you will never tolerate anything. You will actually be critic in a denomination because you know and tasted something better. And that's the message of the hour. I can never be pastored by Pentecostal. Never. I was with them. I didn't see anyone that can lead me. And it's not pride. It's because they just don't have you young people. They just don't have that thing. You know what that thing is. I was sitting with them around the table and I said, God, let me just do an experiment. I'm sitting with the bishop and the prophets and goodness, chief apostle and what. Let me, then I, then I said, gentlemen, we must think generationally. 
Then they looked at me, then I said, do you remember when Rebecca was called out and was following Eliezer and the relative prophesied and said, you Rebecca, be thou the mother of thousands and millions. Let thy seed possess the gates of thy enemies. Then I said, do you know that many years later, when David met Goliath, it was not a stone that killed Goliath. It was a prophetic word that brought Goliath down. I looked at men with titles. And they were salvaged and say, this is great. This is deeper. I say, you don't know. We are swimming in deepness in the message of the hour. They've got titles. They've got titles, but they're going hungry. A bishop starving. Yes. Young men that we have in the message. I was telling my wife, I say, we began to run a few young men that preachers say, they can do a better job. Amen. Better job. Amen. Why? They are the students of Malachi 4. Amen. University of Malachi 4. Yes. Graduation ceremony on Sunset Mountain. Yes. Seven angels stepping out of eternity to give them a book. Yes. Today they read from that book. No one can measure them. I, I know it sounds very cocky, it sounds very arrogant, but it's meant to be like that. Because Satan would want us to say, we follow the message of the hour, we are miserable. We are not miserable. We support, we are coming, we support this ministry with all that we have. Now, Brother, bring in the exposition of the seven church ages. I'm going to release you. Most of you, I've sent you a testimony of a certain pastor whose wife was sick and she was, he was to take that wife to the hospital, but he was told about it. A doctor, I think, specializes in homeopathy in Mexico. And the brother wasn't quite sure whether should I allow my wife to carry on with this. Later, he read from the quotations where Brother Bram say, if they inject you with what? If they inject you with what? That quotation, if they inject the cells, he says, the kidney cells will run to the kidney cells. The heart cells will run to the heart cells. Then the men read in the spoken word and saw it and phoned the doctor and said, we can do the operation. We can do the experiment. After it was done, they could not recognize the wife. The wife was young again. Where, where did they get that prescription from? The message of the hour. The best of the best of the doctors. He was told that the prophet spoke about this in the 50s. And during that time in the 80s, they were doing a trial. But the prophet had already spoken about it in the 50s. Amen. Now, exposition of the seven church age. He says, this one we're going to read it together. Not, not for one moment do I bring a message to the people that they may follow me. Not for one moment do I bring a message to the people that they may follow me. 
or join my church or start some fellowship and organization. I have never done that and will not do that now. I have no interest in those things. But I do have an interest in the things of God and people. And if I can accomplish just one thing, I will be satisfied. That one thing is to see established a true spiritual relationship between God and men. Now, Brother Branham had no ambition to build a bigger fellowship. He had no ambition to build a bigger church. He had an ambition that the people must have a true spiritual relationship between them and God. Amen. Now, if we are the true, true supporters or a true supporting ministry, why today we tell people about our church? Why today we tell people about our ministries? Why do we want to build a better group in the city? We have left. We are no longer supporting Brother Brenham on his vision. We are now having our own individual visions. People belong to a big church or a better church, but with no relationship with Jesus Christ. I am absolutely convinced that majority of message believers don't understand what was the purpose of William Brenham. They thought it was just to build a better church, a better group, a better uh, this and that. That is not it. Brother Brenham was here to unblock a channel of relationship between God and a man. Are you still with me? Not that people should come and belong to our church. It's not our responsibility. If they come, so be it. But that's not our responsibility. But we want somebody to say, now I see the Lord. I hope we are together. Now, in this message, come in the message, present stage of my ministry, I'm working towards closing. Paragraph 55. While you're looking for it, you can never see better than the prophet of your age. Never. You can never. Now, if we leave you with the Bible as it is and say, brother, you say you can read, you are a good reader, here's the Bible, go and preach the gospel, go and convert the people. If you preach to the people and the people say, we want to come to the Lord Jesus, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Those that have left the message. There's a man in America that wants to debate with me about whether Brother Broom is a true prophet of God. Then I realized that I've got no time to debate with this man. He has left the message. He's enjoying his alcohol. So I say, am I going to debate with drunkards? 
I rather get somebody else that I can speak to. You, 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 you can't, you can't, there are certain people that you cannot debate with. You can't just call president and say, I want to debate with. He wants to know who are you? In what capacity? Where do you come from? So we can't just debate with everybody and say, William Branham is not a true prophet. We check and say, what is behind? Amen. I've sent the email and say, I've got no time for such. Amen. Now, in the end time, you cannot preach this Bible truly and authentically without the prophet of the age. Amen. If they ask you, Marriage and divorce, what are you going to say? If they ask you, in whose name we must be baptized, what are you going to say? If they ask you the truth on communion, what are you going to say? The only thing that illuminated this Bible in the end time was the message of the hour. Other than that, you're going to listen to fairy tales. Now, let's listen to this one. Present stage of my ministry, paragraph 55. Paul had a man called Demas. And those that aspire for ministry, here's my advice to you. In the ministry, you lean against God, not against the people. In the ministry, you depend on God, not upon the people. The number one partner in the ministry is God himself. Amen. Brother Abraham says in this message, present stage of my ministry, Paul loved Demas, paragraph 55. He says, now, I imagine Demas didn't forsake him and start off to night laps. I don't imagine Demas did that. Because Demas was a spirit-filled man. He was a great helper. Whatever Paul needed, this young man, Demas, would be available. Spirit-filled. Provided help. But there is something that bothered Demas. When you go and read in this message, he looked at Paul. Because Paul was partially blind. And it says, this man has prayed for many people, but look, he can't pray for himself. Paul only had one coat, that's what Brother Branham says, until he forgot it when he moved to the other city and requested them to bring it along. So to Demas, he couldn't understand how can a man of such a great ministry, a man that is a prophet of the age, how could such a man have one coat? Because Demas measured the ministry's success on monetary terms. Are you still with me here, folks? And we see it in the end time. Flesh cars, flesh. I mean, today we don't have pastors. We've got pastor trainers behind the pulpit. These are entrepreneurs looking for offerings and tithes. They cannot build anybody to live above sin. All they see is how much can I get out of the guy. How can I skin these people? That's what is happening in the end time. Now, Demas, as a spirit-filled man, I believe what became a, Demas became a victim of prosperity gospel. 
if this man is, he says, he was a great helper. If you ever took the history of Demas, he was a notable preacher. He couldn't preach without you noticing that he had preached. He was a fine cultured man, highly polished, educated. He was a smart man. But why would he forsake Paul? That's the thing. What made him to do it? Forsake Paul. I don't believe he wanted to go to a nightclub or anything. But I believe it was God separating Paul. Now, a lot of people are afraid. Somebody was upset because he said somebody betrayed them and said, but you aspire to be like Jesus. And Jesus had a Judas. Why do you want to be a Jesus that is without Judas? That's an incomplete ministry. Take it, paragraph 56. Let's take some of Jima's thoughts. As I was sitting down on the hillside, wondering the other day about daylight, and I was thinking, why would Demas want to leave that fellow? Why? Why would he leave that poor little preacher that led him to the Lord? The man who spearheaded the revival amongst the Gentiles, a prophet indeed. No one could say but what he was a prophet. He was more than a prophet. He was an apostle and a great and mighty apostle to the Gentile. And Demas would associate with Paul, had fellowship, seen the Spirit of God move upon that man. Why would he turn his back on such a man as that? Had been vindicated that he was a servant of Christ. Did you notice Paul here loving this present world? Now, I don't think Demas backslid. I don't think he did that. I think he got the wrong opinion of Paul. Not backsliding, a wrong opinion of Paul. Marriages have been destroyed because somebody has got a wrong opinion of their partner. Churches are being destroyed because somebody just has a wrong opinion of the pastor. A pastor has got a wrong opinion about the church. Take it high. Now Demas come out of a rich family and he was wealthy. And money sometimes means religion to people. Folks, for one to be a deacon, you don't need to have a car. It has nothing to do with material possession. A man can be as poor as he can be on a bicycle and be a deacon of doctors and engineers. Are you still with me here? Like they say, a cable has been pulled over there. Like they say in California, if you even got three Cadillacs, you are not spiritual. <laughs> Take it higher. So it means if you are not successful 
If you don't have the finest church there is in the city, the people won't go. It's almost that way here. You've got to have the finest church in the country or they say, oh, you mean you join up with a little bunch like that? Didn't you know our Lord didn't have a place to lay his head? Did you know he only owned one coat? He was just a kind of a person who was pushed about. He didn't have no place to lay his head, but they could have thought the same thing and did about him. Now I believe Demas saw a failing seemingly in Paul's ministry. I think that he thought the old fellow was washed up before God. He thought that people, that a people that would pluck their eyes out to give to Paul. And Paul said that. He said, you would have at least plucked your eyes out to give them to me. Because Paul, we think, had bad eyes. Because he said, I've, read, I've wrote with such big letters. He said big letters, but I've got the lexicon. It says with big letters. He was in Rome in prison there. It was something wrong. He said his eyes had been bothering him since the heavenly vision. The people, I think if it was during our time, somebody would have said to somebody that fellowships with Paul and say, if your pastor can't see naturally, how will he see spiritually? Isn't so? The people would have plucked out their eyes seeing Paul suffer. His eyes bothering him. And he suffered. He asked the Lord to heal him three times. And he said, except I would get exalted above the abundance of revelation, they were sent to me a messenger of the devil that he might buffet me. Now it would get pretty good. Then hit him again. Then he would get good and hit him again. You see, Paul had a great ministry. Greater than all the rest of the apostles put together. Some of them could have said, well, I walked with Jesus. Why men on the street walked with him when he was here, but Paul saw him in the pillar of fire after he was dead, buried, and ascended into heaven, and returned back and called Paul, see, on the road to Damascus. He had a greater ministry than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and any of them. He was far beyond that. He said, except I get exalted now, now you fellows don't know nothing about it. I seen the Lord resurrection. And they say, we walked with him. Well, did, so did all, the, all of them, Paul, people down around in Galilee and Nazareth and through the country there, they all walked with him. But you see, Paul had talked with him and saw him in the flesh that he was before he was made flesh. He commissioned Paul in that state while he was in that life. He commissioned Paul. And Paul had seen him and he said, except I get exalted. Feel a little higher than some of you, brethren. There was given to me a messenger of the devil that keeps him beat down. Brother Brenham explains. I'm closing here. While Demas is looking at this partially blind man with one code and think there is no power, Brother Brenham says it was happened for a reason to make Paul to be 
humble. But Paul was greater than Matthew, Luke, and John, the rest of them, because he did not see Jesus in flesh. He saw Jesus in the spirit. He was an eyewitness. But like Demas, let's not leave the prophet messenger. He may not be a polished man, but he was a vindicated man. Let's support his vision, not build a bigger organization, but let's establish a relationship between people and God. By that, we'll be good stewards of the ministry. God bless you, Rachel. As we stand to our feet. I heard you singing a very beautiful song, Brother Grace, on the wings of a snow white dove. If you bring it up, brother, on the screen, there is something that I want to show. On the wings of a snow white dove. He says, if you have read it before, he says, Noah had drifted on the floods many days. He searched for land in various ways, troubles he had some, but not from above. God gave him his sign on the wings of a dove. On the wings of a snow white dove, God sends his pure sweet love, a sign from above on the wings of a, of a dove. Then it says, Jesus, our Savior, came to earth one day. He was born in a stable in a manger of hay, though he rejected it, but not from above. God gave us his sign. On the wings of a dove. There's the last stanza that I'm looking for. The original version did not have this stanza. This was added after Brother Brennan preached the message on the wings of a snow white dove. After he had returned from South Africa and he was suffering with that stomach ailment. Then later this verse was added. Though I've suffered in, in many a way, I cried for healing both night and day. Faith wasn't forgotten by the Father above. He gave me his sign on the wings of a dove. Amen. Let's sing it. Travels he has. All over the building, on the winds of a snow white town. 
God sent His pure. To earth one day, he was born in a stable. Thank the Lord. But not from above. All over the building, church. God sent. Though I have suffered. In many a way, way, I cried for a healing. Both night and day, day. faith wasn't forgotten. He gave me his sign on the wings of a dove all over the building on the wings of a snow white dove God sends his fuel Thank the Lord If you can help us with it.
Namaste.